Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-7. through 7. Hear now the word of the Lord. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Amen. So, during this time, we acknowledge that Easter is not over. This is the beautiful thing about the season that we are in, even though, I'm going to move this out of my way, because I like to see y'all. Even though Easter Sunday has come and gone, Easter is a season of 50 days in the life of the church. It's a season. It's something that that continues on, and that's so important that we acknowledge it as a season because that reminds us that Easter is meant to inform the way we live our lives. That the resurrection and everything that it stood for is not a a once-a-year thing. Christmas is a a once-a-year thing. It's something that that we build up to a lot, but once Christmas Day happens, that's like when we celebrate the birth of Christ, that's it. Birthdays are one once a year kind of thing. Easter is something that's meant to be perpetual, something that's meant to continue to inform us about what it means to be people who live lives influenced by the resurrection. Easter in the life of the church builds up to Pentecost. And in the season of Pentecost, we acknowledge the time when the Holy Spirit was sent upon the disciples and the first church was begun. That did not happen immediately after the resurrection, okay? It's not like Jesus ascended or Jesus was resurrected and shows back up to the disciples and is like, all right, guys, I'm out. Good luck. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes and the church explodes. No, that didn't happen. After the resurrection, Jesus came back to be with the disciples for a little bit longer. For a time, a little bit longer. An undisclosed amount of time. We're not really sure how long. It could have been a couple more years. could have been just a couple of weeks. But for some amount of time, Jesus comes back to be with the disciples. Why? Because they needed to understand that the resurrection was meant to be that pivotal was meant to be that transformational, that the resurrection was meant to be something that was going to continue to inform the way they were living their lives. You see, after the resurrection, that Easter Sunday, all the disciples had gone back to Galilee. You might remember from our Easter passage out of Mark 
that the angel tells uh, the women who come to the tomb, go and tell his disciples in Galilee and, he is, and let them know that he is going before you to Galilee and will meet you there. Jesus knows the disciples are going back to Galilee because that's where their entire livelihood was before the three years that they hung out with Jesus. And so they went back to their normal lives. And Jesus goes back to their lives to say, you're not done. Just because the crucifixion happened and just because the resurrection happened, that doesn't mean that it's over. Instead, you are called to live into this resurrection to live as if that's going to inform everything about who you are. So, let's get to work. And so Jesus starts to teach them, once again, many more things. The the Gospel of of John says that Jesus did so many more things and taught so many more things that the the record of them could not even be contained within the book. There was still so much more that they had to learn. They were as Paul ends up saying, like little children. Paul uses uh, the lifespan of human development as a fitting analogy for a believer's life. Somebody who wants to follow Christ and live into the resurrection, they start out as infants. And as infants, there is an amount of care that needs to be done there. So, I don't have children of my own, Unless you count Peanut, he's kind of our child. We treat him like a, we treat him better than a tr- child. Let's be honest. We uh, we love our dog, but he's he's not a human child, so we don't have the the full knowledge of what it means to raise a child. But we get to spend a lot of time with uh, with young children, um, and and particularly one one moment that stands out was one Christmas just after our nephew was born. My my sister's son was born in October, and our Christmas present to her and her husband was that um, we are going to watch Harrison for a night, just give y'all a break. It was going to be their first night to just be able to have a break from having a baby and everything. We're like, don't worry about us. We'll be fine. It'll it'll be easy. We're we're just going to, you know, he, he sleeps most of the time anyway. He did not sleep most of the time. Believe it or not, he did not sleep most of the time. Um, we, we learned quite a bit about caring for a child in that one night, um, certainly by no means the full spectrum of it all. But we learned, most importantly, that a child understands one thing that is absolutely fundamental to that child's survival. It cannot do it alone. That child, whomever it may be, Harrison for us at that time, could not continue his life by himself. He has no way to acquire food. There's no way to get around. He's certainly not making any money. He is completely dependent on others. And so keeping that notion in mind, here once again, what John says to the growing church in his letter once again. See what love the Father has given us. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That word there, 
to be a, a child of God, that word children, is in the Greek, tiknon. Something like that. I don't know. My Greek's not perfect. Tiknon. And that word, which, most, which we primarily translate as child, or in the plural, children, has a deeper connotation to it that we don't fully appreciate. It is to be someone who is fully dependent. Think about that for a second. To be someone who is fully dependent. And is that not what a child is? You know, we just got through with the end of tax season. I'm sure many of you saw, do you have any dependents to claim? To be a child is to be one who is fully dependent. Now, hear again what this is saying. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called fully dependent on God. And that is what we are. Fully dependent on God. To be a child of God means to acknowledge to acknowledge that what it means to be me in this faith journey and really just as a basic human being is that everything about me is fully dependent on God. Consider this for a moment outside of just you know, believing in the resurrection. How did your existence come about? I don't mean the human side of it, let's not go there. I just mean the actual beginning of you. Was it God? Could your existence have occurred without God? Your very life begins with the love of God. And then, how came you to be who you are? Was it not by the very influence of God in your, in your world? Whether it be the parents that God gave you, whether it be the very location in which God placed you, we can continue on and on. We can play this game all day and explore all the ways that God's hands were in our very existence. Simply to say, what it means to be us is, by nature, to be fully dependent on God. That's something that we have to, we have to begin to grasp. If we are to be Easter people, we need to understand that we cannot take care of ourselves the way that we absolutely need to. We have limits to what we're able to do. Or at least, God knows better how to do it. To be a child is to be one who bears the name of the parent. This is a phenomenon that's been happening for uh, millennia, having names. To have a name is something that has, I mean, you know, since basically humans started crawling, uh, to have a name has been essential to being a human being. And we go through the full, uh, the full history of human, humankind, and we see that as human beings started to gather together, as human beings started to find community together, they started taking on clan names, that there would be a clan, and you would still have your individual name, but you would also adopt a clan name. 
Then, as civilization began to evolve further and further, that clan name became a family name. We began to have these surnames, these names that tell us from whence we came. For example, my last name is Wright. That means that I can pretty well find out a lot of connections that I have in the world. Now, not everybody with the last name of Wright is related to me, necessarily. I don't know for sure. I haven't done the whole Ancestry.com thing. Maybe you have. But this tells us a little bit about where we come from. Um, we are able to trace our lineage back all the way to uh, parts of the UK, to Scotland, and then uh, I think some in Finland and somewhere else. A lot of English, though, in that. Uh, and it's, it's that story that perpetuates us and, get, and grants us uh, this amount of information in the world for people to know who we are. To be a child of God is to also take on that name. To take on that name. I am God's. Consider the implications that that has in our very lives, to take on the name of God as God's child. That, once again, is in, in perhaps a better way, because we don't call ourselves, hey, I'm Micah God. That would be horribly conceited of me. But rather, to take on some amount of the likeness of God. And what does God's name denote for us in our society? Let's play a game. When you think about God, what is God like? Anybody? Say that again. Father? Father? Yeah. What else is God like? A kind? A healer. a healer? What else? Love. Love, yeah. What else? What else is God like? A provider. A provider. What else? I'm sure we can think of more positive adjectives. <laughs> Forgiving, sure, yeah. Anything else? That's all right. We, we, we can roll with that. So to take on, to be a child of God is to take on the likeness of God, which for us also says that we take on these qualities, these characteristics. For... Uh, John says, What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him. In other words, we are called to take on those same qualities. A healer. A forgiver. A person of love. Like a parent to others. A provider. Now think about those words being something that we begin to embody within ourselves. How then might our lives begin to look different if me, Micah, a child of God, begins to act like a healer? Now sure, I don't have magical powers that I can heal people with, but to act as a healer, to be kind in that kind of way, to act as a provider, to act as a person with great love, mercy, compassion, goodness. That is what it means to be Easter people. As Easter people, we are called to embrace 
our adoption into the family of God. But there's a catch. Because there's always a catch. There's a catch, right? If we live into this family to which God has called us, this family that says you are a child of God, this family that says you are called to love and compassion and grace, to forgiveness, to mercy, that means that we also will stand contrary to something else. A world which doesn't really care all that much about these things. You know, in, in our world, there are, uh, there are the big three things that people crave. Fame, wealth, power. These things don't really align with the call of God who calls us to humility, to poverty, to meekness. But that's what our world prioritizes. And so, out of this understanding, John says, if I can find this, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The reason that the world not know us, does not know us is that it did not know him. In other words, what John is setting up here is this, this, this contrary nature between the world that has its set rules and regulations and says this is what it means to be a member of society, to have the American dream, to be able to have enough money to, to take care of yourself and your family, and then a little bit extra to be able to go on some nice vacations, to be important, to be known. These things end up setting us just enough against the family of God whenever we start joining the family of the world. The family of God calls us to a very contrary nature, a very contrary existence. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that to be a person who lives the American dream and to, who makes enough money to take care of themselves and a little bit more to go on a nice vacation and to you know, have all these things is inherently wrong by any means. But always a but. But, is that life preventing you or otherwise hindering you from living as a child of God? If you're making tons of money, I mean, like, you're a millionaire or something like that, awesome! Are you a provider as the children of God are called to be? Maybe you're a person with certain talents, abilities that have made you very well known in the community. Great, be well known. How are you calling out injustice in your fame? You see, to be a child of God is contrary to the world and calls us to embrace the likeness of God and calls us to acknowledge our full dependence on God. 
And so my challenge for us today, if we are to live like Easter people, if we are to live like people who are informed, influenced, moved by the resurrection, to be people who, for, for whom the resurrection means real, true, new life, then my challenge for us is to embrace your adoption into the family of God. Because here is the most beautiful aspect of it all. God's love freely welcomes us into this family. Verse 1. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. This is not something that anyone ever in the history of humanity has ever been able to earn. This is not something ever that anybody on the face of the planet has ever been good enough for. This is something that God has freely given out of goodness and love that resides within God to say, you are a child of mine. The next part is just up to us to live into it to embrace it, to say, that is the kind of life I want to move me. That is the kind of life I want to walk out of these doors into. That is the kind of life that matters. Because that's really what it boils down to in all of this. What kind of life do we see worth living? Is it a life that is part of the family of the world? Is it a life that is part of the family of Whatever your decision, just remember that God has freely welcomed you into this family. And as those of you in families might know, each member of a family has the full freedom to walk straight out of that family, to reject that family. God is calling us to embrace that family, to be Easter people who are informed by the resurrection, who are moved by new life, who live into this family of God. So let us be that people as the church, Easter people, children of God, fully dependent with the name and likeness of God, contrary to the world. And let us pray.